Welcome to our most recent episode of the Trans-Tasman Region podcast, Cochlear Wild Aho. Um, I am joined today by my co-host, Matt, um, who has been on this journey with me um, for the past few months. And we're really excited to have a couple of guests on our podcast as well today. We're joined by um, Sean Truick from Circular Economy Victoria and Samantha Jones from Little Yellow Bird. Um, today we're going to be talking all about the circular economy and we're, and we're really fortunate to have Sean, Sean and Samantha who are both doing really brilliant and progressive work in this space. Um, I'm going to give a quick intro to how Matt and I would define the circular economy and then we're going to have a few questions with Sean and Samantha to really understand how the circular economy is playing out in their experience and their work. Um, and the major opportunities that they're seeing to progress the circular economy in both Australia and also Aotearoa. So one definition that we love to use to talk about the circular economy is borrowing some words from the Alan MacArthur Foundation, which is really a way of rethinking and redesigning the way we make stuff. So it's an alternative to the traditional linear economy and it's about keeping resources in use for as long as possible, extracting the minimum, minimum value from them while in use, and then recovering and regenerating products and materials once we finished using them. So before I hand over to Sean and Samantha and ask them a couple of questions, we'll do a quick intro to each of them. Um, so firstly, Samantha. Samantha is the founder and CEO of Little Yellow Bird, which is a social enterprise that's normalizing circular approaches to design, production, and consumption. Little Yellow Bird makes transparent and fully circular apparel. They supply over 400 organizations in, in New Zealand from local cafes through to large corporations like New Zealand Post and Air New Zealand. Little Yellow Bird is the first company in New Zealand to offer a textile take-back scheme, which enables individuals to send back any 100% cotton product to be recycled at the end of its useful life. So very exciting to have Sam on board. And I also know that Sam, um, Samantha and Little Yellow Bird were recognized just last week, um, given that we were recording this podcast at the start of August, um, in the Wellington Gold Awards. So we might ask Sam to talk a little bit more about that later in the podcast. We've also got Sean, Sean um, joining us from Circular Economy Victoria. Sean is an industrial engineer and community organizer. He's worked to build people-focused strategies and lean-driven operations for SMEs, multinationals, and community groups, both in Africa and Australia. Currently, he's focused on helping to activate communities in his role as president and CEO of Circular Economy Victoria. Drawing inspiration from his roots in South Africa, Sean believes in the power of, Sean, you'll have to pronounce this word for me. I don't want to get it wrong. Ubuntu. Ubuntu. And we might be asking you more about that later in this podcast as well. To unite people around a common goal. A systems thinker with high, level, high levels of empathy, he highlights the value and importance of every individual's role within the transition towards a circular economy. So welcome, Sean and Samantha. I'm going to hand now to Matt, who's going to kick us off with a few questions and discussions. 
Yeah, thanks, Claire, and, and welcome also uh, to you, Sean and Samantha. Might kick off with you first, Samantha, um, just getting you to share a little bit about yourself and how your work relates to the circular economy. Yeah, so I started Little Yellow Bird about seven years ago. I was an Air Force officer, um, left, couldn't find corporate work where that met my values and started creating my own. Um, and really, I was bringing the supply chain experience that I had from the, the military across to a supply chain in the fashion industry and really started learning a lot about how and where clothes are produced. And that sort of led me on a journey to put values at the center of sort of every decision that we make. So, um, you know, started out thinking that it was about the, the, the labor standards, but then the more I learned, the more I realized you know, there's all of these environmental implications and then a few years into our business realizing well, what happens to the product after it's had its, um, you know, life with the end user and what happens to the garment at the end of that and discovering that we have a huge textile land waste issue here. So, you know, what could we do as an organization to sort of shift that? And that's kind of, yeah, been our sort of, yeah, philosophy is just to creating less harm at every stage and, um, yeah trying to make the fashion industry more sustainable. Yeah, brilliant. And what about you, Sean? What's, uh, what's um, yeah, how are you connecting in with your circular economy work? Yeah, I mean, I, I guess my entry point into circular economy is similar to, similar to Sam's in, in that I came from an industrial engineer looking at supply chains and business process optimization. And there's always a, a sort of objective function, um, a financial objective function to which we optimize everything. You know, we want to sort of create a better bottom line. Um, and I always found that quite narrow, especially in like in South Africa's context where you have strong, you know, social um, inequality and, and the bottom line doesn't really solve that. You know, it's, I mean, it provides jobs, but um, those jobs are generally very unequally paid. So um, I always thought there was more to that. And it took me a while for, to, for me to get across you know, the circular economy and to see the systemic nature of it. And as soon as I, I, I sort of undertook that paradigm shift, um, I entered it from an industrial engineer's point of view, hoping to, um, you know, build circular industries. Um, but as I started that, I realized that the ecosystem in terms of the way that state and market and commons and households really interact, uh, there's a lot of work to be done on a macro scale in order for us to sort of change the narratives and uh, look at the system in a different way. So the work I currently do now is, is very focused on that. It's very high level um, systems oriented work where we, we work with um, we work with diverse stakeholders uh, to create the, I guess, the, the ecosystem or, or, or uh, the social context in order for the circular economy to really come about in, in more tangible ways like supply chain innovation or product innovation or material innovation. Yeah, and there's such a beautiful dialogue in the way that each of you are approaching it. So you've got Sean's kind of that overarching broader strategic framework or the that, that ecosystem that you talk about. And then Samantha's right down in there with, you know, the specifics of the fashion industry, which is a brilliant combination. And one of the things we're aware of is that sometimes people see shifting away from that traditional extractive um, economic model as being difficult, as creating barriers and um, and sometimes meaning people are kind of losing their power base. But there's also that sense that on the flip side, 
um, circular economy uh, and its principles can actually open up opportunities for creativity and innovation. I'm just wondering how each of you see that, maybe starting with you, uh, Sam, again, um, just kind of instead of seeing it as a loss, actually seeing it as, you know, a path of opportunity. Yeah, well, I think, first of all, we need to remember that the current model of consumption is, is quite modern. And this isn't actually, you know, even if I take, for example, how cotton's grown, you know, 50 years ago, um, that's how all cotton was grown. It's only been this recent phenomenon where we've used a whole bunch of chemicals and pesticides to artificially make cotton grow in areas it's not designed to grow. And that's the same thing with how we, you know, treat a lot of products. We now, um, I guess, have this expectation, um, you know, that products are cheap and that we'll replace them quickly. And, you know, if you look 50 years ago, that wasn't really the mentality around products as much. So I think it's more a shift back to that kind of, you know, we really buy quality and we use it for as long as possible and then we find alternate uses for it or it can be upcycled or handed down or given to somebody else. Um, that, that's the real shift. Mm-hmm. And, and how do you see it, Sean, that kind of flip side and the change of mindset, um, particularly, you know, within maybe established leaders uh, as well that you might work with? Yeah, 100%. Uh, yeah, I definitely agree with, with what Sam said in terms of, you know, this current paradigm is, is by far not the way that things have been working in, I guess, our civilization for, for the you know, past hundreds of years. Um, so I think the circular economy, to a degree, it, it's going back to, to basics. Uh, it's looking at biomimicry and other more natural-based systems and how, how, how systems can propagate themselves for thousands of years and not just for a post-industrial 100-plus years. Um, so there is that element. But I think the real opportunity in the circular economy um, it, it lies in terms of how, how we can how we can adapt our, 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 our underlying stories and our underlying paradigms of how we see the world. Um, and that can be done in, in various ways. I think certain groups of people will, will take an iterative approach um, where they'll say, well, you know, I've got this business, I'm really struggling to, to get by. I'm, I'm just trying to, you know, keep my, my staff employed and, you know, this business afloat. So now all these other, you know, stronger narratives like environmental consciousness or you know reducing carbon or whatever I don't really have time to think about that so how do we how do we design opportunities for, for those stakeholders to really take an iterative approach uh, to to getting to a more sustainable paradigm but then there's also the, the sort of systems change approach which I think is a massive opportunity for stakeholders that can or um, are willing at the moment uh, to, to really do that and that's to, to question the overall system like you know the cotton example like how can we really just change that? You know, like, is there a better way to do it? Is there a more sort of distributive way to, to grow cotton or, or whatever resource we're looking at? So how can we, we essentially extract resources that we need in order to, you know, fulfill uh, provisioning for the economy, um, but do so in a regenerative way right from the beginning? Um, and that's one of the circular economy uh, um, sort of principles. And then you go through the other two principles of how do we actually create the products and services that uses material in a way that uses it to its optimal value um, so really uses its inherent value not just its perceived value um, and then put back into natural sinks in a in a, in a regenerative way mm, mm. and of course uh, i guess re regeneration and circular economics means different things at, at, in different contexts and scales like we can talk about what it means for individuals professional you know individuals whether they're at home or whether the, you know they're 
in a professional setting, organizations, communities, sectors, countries, or all of those. Um, I'm really curious, you know, is there an example at one of those scales that kind of represents that ideal world of, of what's possible that, that you're familiar with, um, Sam? Um, there's, I guess, a few different examples of products, um, you know, product stewardship companies. Um, one that um, I've been using a lot at the moment is the Grin Toothbrush. Um, there's also, you know, like Wishbone Bikes, which I love um, and my daughter uses. And it basically just grows with the child so you can flip it up or change the wheels depending on the size of the child. Um, so I think those are some really cool examples of things, well, I guess the wishbone one in particular, um, where you don't need to buy five products, you can just buy one and yeah, it's a higher price point probably, but the impact on the world is far less um, and it's a lovely thing to be able to have this product with you for, you know, five or seven years. Mm -hmm. and, and what about you, Sean? Where do you kind of look to for some of those, e those examples, maybe at the larger ecosystem scale? Yeah, um, I mean, I love all the innovative products and that, and sometimes I, I wish that I could just focus in on that. But with our current ecosystem work, it's it's quite difficult because I wouldn't say that there is an existing sort of best practice in fully circular, and, and that's just inherent because of, you know, the complexity of, of the work. And I guess the organization that I really look up to the most is Circle Economy and the way that they sort of grappling with um, complexity. And with their Circularity Gap um, initiative, which is a global initiative of sort of measuring what circularity is. And uh, when we talk, when they talk about circularity, they don't just talk about the material footprint, but also, um, you know, the, the path to sort of, um, you know, mitigating the effects of climate change. Um, so the work that they do is really inspiring and not just the Circularity Gap report, but they also the other initiatives around how to help cities really transform within, you know, sort of their global environment and, and how to help, you know, create jobs and very tangible ecosystem level things like that. So I would say that they are a really great organization. And I might just throw out another one is metabolic in terms of their research and development work. So, you know, they put out some really good thought leadership in, in the space. Um, but in practice, it's a lot more difficult. So I think we, we're on the right path in, in certain places, but, um, yeah, I don't have a, an ecosystem to point to be like that circular ecosystem, you know. Um, it's, just... it's like a really good point as well, because really, like the more or the longer that you can keep products in use, like yourself, inherently that makes them more sustainable or the, the footprint of those products less. There's a whole lot of, I guess, new wave um, circularity projects and things coming out, but then there's still, you know, like even with our products, the carbon associated with shipping them. And so, I mean, we offset that, but it's still a very real impact. And I think we need to understand, you know, what the total life cycle cost is of all of these decisions. And that's quite an emerging space at the moment. Mm. And that, and that's, you know, that opens up so much opportunity. And I guess it's, you know, the, the space for entrepreneurs to be able to step in, which probably leads to the next question that we're going to explore. Claire, over to you on this one. Yeah, firstly, before um, we head to the next question, Samantha, I think what you said around, you know, extending the life of something is, um, and then, you know, going beyond that to thinking, how do we close the loop? 
and you know transform that into something new I think that's such an awesome metaphor for this concept of regeneration that Matt and I are exploring through this um, th through this podcast and this project because you know the way that we describe sustainability is doing less harm and regeneration is about doing more good so that idea of you know trying to make something last for as long as you can um, being about sustainability and then saying well when you know when we've sort of reach the limits of sustainability what happens then and I think the work that you're doing to close the loop is such an awesome example of regeneration and practice so um yeah really exciting to see I've got one question that might be a bit of a um a tricky one but curious to know um is there anyone who inspires you as being really empowered by the circular economy or any sort of leaders in this field that you think people might be able to look to I'll leave the floor open to either Samantha or Sean to jump in here. Um, <laughs> it's, um, there's a lot of individuals that are doing amazing things. So I, I don't want to single any out. Um, well, I, I think the the, um, the people that really inspire me is is this new wave of of momentum. I think over the last you know, one of 40, 50 years, we've seen different waves of environmental consciousness come about in the world and in various ways and forms and I think this this new wave that is sort of embracing the circular economy narrative they inspire me because they're really taking it and embedding it within with their own practices so instead of saying like the sustainability narrative narrative is separate to what I'm doing it's it's a sort of add-on they really try to incorporate this within their work and I think that's the power of of this idea of the circular economy and the way that you know, uh, this body of knowledge is being um, implemented is that it, it works with business processes, whether you're in the product or service industry, doesn't matter whether you, you know, on an ecosystem level, on a product or material level. And um, the principles that, that it's based on are, are really, you know, practical and you can use it within your current processes um, or, or even your daily habits, like we're talking there about, you know, the products that we purchase and the products that we use as consumers. So I guess, um, you know, just to dodge your question a bit, uh, the people that really inspire me is this new wave that uh, that is really taking the circular economy and, and embedding it within what they do. Awesome, thanks, Sean. And maybe as a segue for that, I'd be really curious to hear if either of you have hot tips for listeners about how they can play their part in the transition to the circular economy. Samantha, I might swing over to you first. Um. Yeah, I think my top tip is really what we touched on before about, you know, keeping your products in your life for as long as possible uh, with garments, you know, the most sustainable item is the, the one already in your wardrobe. So, yes, it's great to purchase and support brands that are doing, you know, organics and fair trade and circularity, but, you know, do you actually need that new product at all um, would be my sort of top tip. Yeah, 100%. I second that. Um, I think that idea of you really questioning your own footprint is probably the most powerful thing that we all can do. Um, you know, if we need to change our underlying mindsets and, and, and the stories that we've been told, um, for instance, I need to own a car because it gives me status or I need to have a new wardrobe or, you know, like these, these underlying narratives that we told from you know from the beginning and that is supported through, through so many different channels throughout our life we need to really question that so when you are about to you know spend your dollar or take part in a, some sort of activity just question the footprint you know is this 
really adding benefit to your life? Um, is this, you know, is this really needed? Um, and is, if it is, then what is the best way to go about this um, in terms of, uh, you know, that systemic thinking of, of, of you know, planet before, <laughs> before your, you know, I guess your want. Awesome. Thanks so much. I think the two of you have really highlighted the power of, you know, consumer spending and how voting with your wallet is such an important part of, you know, driving demand for circular products and sort of the um, making the circular economy something that um, isn't just an idea, is, you know, making it something that really exists in, in practice. I might hand over to Matt now to wrap us up. Yeah, look, it, it, I mean, these sessions are, are quite brief, but it, it is just super inspiring to see um, people like uh, Sean and Sam, um, you know, at the edge of this. And there's a couple of initiatives that have, that you're both working on um, or that have come out recently that I thought might be a great way to wrap up. Samantha, you, you've actually been involved with launching a new textile recycling initiative. Yeah, so this kind of started because we started to get um, product or we had a production error actually that we wanted to have end of life solution for and so we started looking at um, end of life fiber to fiber solutions and we found one after a lot of research and time and then actually we ended up using all of that um, production error product and um, upcycling turning them into face masks so we actually then didn't have any product to send for this pilot project so what we did is we collaborated with a bunch of different um, people in our industry and we've just actually officially launching it today it's called circular cotton um, and it's us along with seven other members where they send back their end of life textile waste um, so it could be either products that their customers have have used it's got rips or holes in it or um, production offcut or yeah, production error and that kind of thing so yeah we've got a really great group of um group of businesses. So um, that's Elsco, Maggie Marilyn, Nature Baby, Paper Rain, Recreate Clothing, Common Sense Organics and the Sustainability Trust. And we have um, basically collated a full container worth of textile that would have gone to landfill. So that will be turned back into um, new fibres if it can't be used for local sort of upcycling uh, projects. So we've also got a little network, growing network of local um, industry. We've used some products for things like pet toys, um, collaborating with some other apparel upcycling brands as well. So, yeah. Brilliant. Uh, super exciting. And, and of course, your, your recent Green Gold Award at the Wellington Gold Awards. Um, you know, just, I mean, it's awesome that there's that recognition coming through um, for you because of the brilliant work that you're, um, you and your team are, are doing. Sean, I'm going to flip to you. Uh, you've got an activator that's spun out or is spinning out at the moment. Yeah. Um, so with, with our work, we, we, we're just more not-for-profit, so our, our capabilities um, in terms of actually understanding the research and development side of the circular economy and really engaging with some institutional backing is quite limited. So we partnered up with RMIT University and Swinburne University and Planned Arc, uh, Planned Arc's ASAP, um, Australian Circular Economy Hub, and a raft of other partners to really bring an activator to life. And this activator is a physical innovation um, ecosystem that is really going to, you know, sort of put thought into practice and um, have a strong research and development um, backing 
and uh, really build a strong network to create collaborations. And and I guess just in the spirit of collaboration, uh, Sam, I, I really I really love this this new initiative of of you know reusing those uh, cotton fibers or natural fibers. So um, I know the Victorian government has just announced that next year's focus area in terms of um, the circular economy is going to be textiles. So um, yeah, uh, the power of this podcast is maybe just connecting us to explore that more and, and how we can bring that best practice to Victoria. Yeah, absolutely. Because one of the um, big issues is actually the technology to um, recycle as well. And, you know, we're accessing technology in Europe and it would be really great to see an Australasian solution um, happen um, to reduce those carbon miles as well. Mm. Yeah, that's, that's such a brilliant uh, place to wrap up because that kind of uh, collaborate, collaboration across the Tasman is what we had a sense for, you know, going back 12 months ago when we were seeding this conversation and, you know, the localization that COVID is, um, uh, is kind of driving is opening up other opportunities as well. So um, Samantha Jones from Little Yellow Bird and Sean Trewick from Circular Economy Victoria, thanks so much for sharing some of um, yeah, your seeds of wisdom and wisdom and experience. Uh, and uh, for those uh, that have been able to listen, we hope that there's um, some of those that you can carry through into your own uh, work and life. Keep an eye out. There are more podcasts on the way, uh, continuing to bridge passionate uh, leaders in the regen space from both Aotearoa and Australia. Thanks, everyone. All the best.